0: One thing we like about earnings season is sometimes it helps us see the future. You know, we talked the other day to the CEO of Southwest Airlines. They give us a sense of what's happening in a few months, maybe a quarter or two. But you take AECOM, the gigantic Fortune 500 infrastructure consulting company, they can look out quarters, years in advance. Troy Rudd is the CEO of AECOM, and Wall Street had a good reaction to the numbers today. It's good to have you with us.
1: Thank you for having me, and it is nice to uh, have a nice reaction to our numbers.
0: You know, the interesting thing, though, I'll, I'll tell you something interesting. When the numbers came out, I looked at the futures, and your stock was pointing lower. Then your news, then your, your analyst conference started, and I guess you put some color to them and gave a sense of the future, and then the stock turned to higher. What did you tell them?
1: Well, it's interesting. I, t- I I told them what was actually written down that we <laughs> released to them before the market, but right before the announcement. But it, but there's a, there is there's always some there's always some nuance behind what's the number. You have to listen for, you know, how do you feel about what just happened? Because it's it does give you insight into the future. You start to listen about what you think is going to happen in the next year, in the sense of optimism and challenge. And so we had optimism in this next year. And then you start to listen to that, you know, beyond beyond the next year and listen for that optimism. And we have great optimism for the long term. So so I I think that I think that 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 momentum or enthusiasm that we feel in our business, it does carry over, and um, and the analysts feel it, and then they they start to share that information, obviously at a much to a much broader investor base.
0: I, I always enjoy talking to you guys because, among other things, you are a true multinational company. I mean, you're in a, you know, operating 150 countries and all over the world and doing all sorts of projects, um, you know, economics and engineering and lots of transportation and planning and consulting. It can't all be hot at the same time. What where's the biggest Where's the biggest driver right now?
1: Well, I'll tell you what. I'll break it down a couple of different ways. First of all, uh, there are some there are some long term trends that really provide a tailwind for our business. And the first is, you know, for a number of years there has been a, a building interest and need to invest in infrastructure, and that funding has been becoming available. That funding doesn't just isn't just something that you spend and fill in a pothole pothole in a road on Thursday. These are the types of projects that typically will be um, designed and constructed over five or ten years. And so they're longer-term projects. So first of all, that's been happening here in the United States, but it's also been happening in a lot of other places. There's a long-term investment in infrastructure in the U.K., a long-term investment in infrastructure for us in um, Hong Kong. We're seeing it in Southeast Asia. We're seeing it in Australia. And so there is a lot of long-term investment and dollars that have been put into these programs, which will benefit at first a long time. The other other trends is there um, are some fairly significant changes about how people are making long-term investments in energy. And so I, I sort of think about it this way is, you know, today energy independence is dictated by what's in the ground. Well, as people have the ability now with different sources of energy, they have the ability to invest in it, and effectively take energy independence into their own hands. And so you can think about that I could invest in nuclear and there are different technologies that are much better today than they were decades ago. I could invest in solar, I could invest in wind. And so you look at someone who can now dictate through investment their own energy independence. And so that's also a trend. Again, you've got countries, you've got industries, private companies making these investments and they're changing their their trajectory of energy independence and that will happen that's 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 not just a decade yeah frankly those types of investments you know they're, they're transformative and they take 10 20 30 years that's another trend and then there's another shorter term trend is which you know there's just been a, a desire to change the way that supply chains work to put different parts of your supply chains in different places in the world. That's an investment in infrastructure. That's a one, two, three, four year investment. We benefit from that. So for us, there's sort of these three broader trends across the world. And to your point, David, you know, it's not hot everywhere. But for us right now, it's hot most of the places.
0: Yeah, most. Of, and it seems like you're in the right places too. You know, it's interesting you mentioned energy because that's the roots of your company. When you go back, you're, mm-hmm. you, you came out of Ashland. Ashland Oil, right? Ashland Oil.
1: We were a spinoff of Ashland Oil a long and time ago. And then
0: grew by acquisition, brought on all of these other, you know, water purification systems and, and all sorts of, you know, what have turned out to be all the right areas that everybody wants to be in right now. So are you positioned going forward the way you want to be? Are you, are you, are you still looking for acquisitions?
1: Um, no, I'm not. Um, we are in all of the markets that we operate in. We're in the number one number two or number three position and so we have the core capabilities that we that we have and they that, that we need we don't need to grow through acquisition to become better we can grow organically. there are some investments that we've made to, to um, grow some capabilities in our business. One of those is program management and so program management really think about it as a large program the customer needs someone to sit along beside them and make sure that it, that that whole program is actually delivered on. Um, and so we've built a business that's that's growing very rapidly within Aecom, um, and uh, we're going to double that business in three years. This past year we grew it at 33%. So we've, we're building that capability. The next thing we're investing is is actually transforming the way that our work is done for people, and that's what we call our digital investment. So, you know, think about it this way: is we're creating tools that make the work improve the quality, make the work faster, get it to our clients faster, and then the other thing we do is we create yeah. more time more time for our people who are super creative to spend that time to do more creative things for their clients. And so that's, that's what we're focused on and we don't need, you know, again, we don't need acquisitions to do that. And then the other thing about acquisitions is, you know, in today's market and for the last few years, the multiples of earnings that people are paying are extraordinarily high. And for us, we just don't believe at that price, it makes sense. And so, you know, that, that that's dynamic. That will change over time. but but for for our, from our perspective, that's not the right way to use our capital. The right way to use our capital is the way that we're using it, focused on, you know, investing in our organic growth yeah. and capabilities. Earlier
0: you you were talking about the creativity. and it was interesting. a couple of three weeks ago, your name came up uh, from Sean Donahue who's the CEO of DFW airport. And he was talking about how happy they were with this this bizarre, and I thought, offsite construction. Of new gates that were then slowly moved, like the space shuttle used to move, into place. And they said, "Yeah, we're going to do it again." And that was yep. your project. Had yep. that? What was the pattern for that? Had that been done before?
1: You know what? I have to tell you honestly, you're asking the wrong person. I do. So, so first of all, at DFW, we've had a relationship and been out there working for decades. They're um, they're a very forward thinking and progressive client. They do. They do come up with great ways of innovating. And they've done a fantastic job with the airport. And I can say that now that I live in Dallas and I use it a lot. I'm really happy about that. Um, But, um, you know, that is something new that has been done out at that airport. I can't tell you, for example, it hasn't been done anywhere else in the world. I can say that I haven't seen that done here in the U.S. before. But again, I'm probably, there's probably some smarter people here that know a little bit more about that than I do.
0: Well, so let me ask you something. You ought to know something, but I was looking back through the headlines of the company just for the last couple of months, and there there was one recurring theme out of the blue, and it was rail. Projects that you're working on in Toronto and Melbourne, Australia and New Jersey and California, high-speed rail. Is this because of that infrastructure money? Well, that's in the U.S., I guess. The infrastructure money you were talking about, or is it just... Sort of a global phenomenon, a return to rail.
1: Um, well, there is there is a rec, there's a recognition that um, you know it's a it's a it's a very efficient and I'm going to call it it's an efficient and a more environmentally friendly way of moving people and goods is is transit, but more it's high speed rail and high speed transit. And so there is a move around the world to invest in it, and certainly. In the United States there's a lot of support and dollars for that in the infrastructure bill but again it just it comes back to the des, the desire and the need to be much more efficient at moving people and, um, and and goods in you know just sort of throughout our throughout the supply chain and, and amongst and around our big cities
0: so what, one last thing I got to ask you is I, I just just came back from vacation I was really struck uh, once again pleasantly by the strength of the US dollar. But for a multinational company, that is not necessarily a good thing. That makes your goods and services a lot more expensive to all of your foreign, you know, uh, companies that you're doing business with. Has foreign exchange had a negative impact on you?
1: It hasn't. It hasn't had a negative impact on our business. You know, just in terms of what we're doing for our clients and how we deliver it. And we do deliver our work globally. But it hasn't had an impact on and how we're working with our clients. But it does have a negative impact as a as a, again I'll say as a U.S.-based multinational company, because when you earn money in foreign businesses, we just translate that back to U.S. dollars and report that as our earnings. So if the U.S. dollar strengthens, it means that the value of your foreign earnings are worth a little bit less. And so you know it it does it it uh, it certainly creates a headwind or creates a perception of how your business is doing. And so when we think about the business, we're always thinking about, we can't control currency. But what we can control is we can concern the success of the business or the earnings capacity of the business. And so putting it all aside, that's what we focus on is just continuing to improve our ability to deliver for clients, to create a better experience for our people, which translates into a business that has is growing and has more earnings capacity, and that's our focus. And so we're seeing that. So there will be, you know, if if you kind of go in the last decade, you're going to see the U.S. dollar weaken and strengthen um, in short-term cycles. So, at this time next year, we could be having this conversation, <laughs> and the U.S. dollar, in terms of compared to foreign currency, other foreign currency rates, could be where it was a year ago.
0: But so you don't hedge this out, then?
1: Uh, we we we'll do a little bit of hedging in our business, but no, we don't hedge late. You you, you don't hedge late. You don't. Sorry, you don't hedge the translation of foreign earnings. And that's just that's that's just not something that um that folks do.
0: Well look congratulations on a great quarter and, and like I say the the positive reception to your view of the future, which is something we like to see. Troy Rudd's the CEO of AECOM, which I also researched and found out is an acronym. Architectural architecture, engineering, construction, operations and management. Now I know why you called it AECOM instead of <laughs> architecture, engineering construction.
1: <laughs> That's it.
0: It's always good to have you with us. Thank you very much, sir.
1: Great. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks, Troy Rudd, CEO of AECOM. For more of our conversation, go to krld.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson. News Radio 1080 KRLD.